podcast is brought to you with the support of Caseload from De Novo Business Intelligence. Hi and welcome back to the Hey Legal podcast. In the midst of social distancing and self-isolation, at Hey Legal we're trying to keep things relevant. So this week we have Callum Murray from Amicus, a company dedicated to remote working and the automation of secure online compliance. Throughout the show, we found out how exactly Amicus was set up and how it's providing a solution to help lawyers and clients. We went, met up one day in Edinburgh, went for lunch with a burrito and said, Joe, you know, I think that there's a, a huge opportunity here to really change the way that people interact with and access legal services and information and understand their rights. Initially, we were called Dijou, like digital justice. Sounded a bit more like Dijou and mustard. <laughs> it never worked very well. So. Callum then shares the story of what the driving force behind setting up Amicus was all about. It came from my own personal experiences from a previous business where I was due money from various different contractors. I realised that actually trying to get any cash back from the end of it, that there was no cash to be seen. And why their values of accessibility, trust and privacy are leading the way for the future of remote online compliance. The idea that you're asking your client to email you a copy of the passport or send you plain text over an email their bank details, we know that people have been subject to fraud as a result of that. A relevant show for what's going on today, so let's begin. So, Callum, Amicus tells the story. Amicus began about four years ago. Okay. Um, and we founded the company in uh, July. It came from my own personal experiences from a, a previous business where, through the financial crash, um, I was due money from various different other contractors. Um, at that point, was in the construction sector, and I went through a process of reclaiming these debts. And in one case, went through the small claims process as it was at the time, and pursued that. Got to the conclusion, um, got a judgment in our favour, and when it came to the sheriff's officers, actually trying to get any cash back from the end of it, that there was no cash to be seen. Um, in another example. At the same time, we had a contract with a much larger contractor and the business wouldn't pay and they had uh, financial issues. So they had an arbitration process that was uh, written into the contract. So we started to make our way through this arbitration um, and to understand what is arbitration, how does it work for an early stage company, what would we do? And found it really complicated, really expensive, but we wouldn't actually be able to get to the end of the process. Given the timing, we knew that it was pointless mm. and to actually pursue and to pursue this as well as um, then create a case that we would have to defend. It just was financially not viable. So the business folded um, at that point. Um, we went through redundancy selection. Uh, we had debts to pay back to the bank and HMRC. So at that point, I think I was about 20, maybe 21, and I'd experienced um, the employment tribunal. Um, I'd been to court. Um, I'd understood a little bit about arbitration and all um, without any intention to pursue any of these things. 
And the experience, like, once I go back to scratch was, um, one, to start again is the first thing. Um, and secondly, if this had happened to me, and at that point, you know, I was coming from a reasonably sound situation, so I had friends who were solicitors, um, I had support from the Prince's Trust when I'd set up that business, there were professional advisors around, um, but it still felt really difficult, a big challenge for a business to try and handle um, dispute resolution, like how do you resolve these things and where do you go, how much does it cost? So I realised that if it happened to me, this was probably happening to thousands or hundreds of thousands of other people. I started to look into the stats around how many people would actually engage with the civil justice process, would they go to court, would they deal with it informally, and I started to look into that. And what I was able to do over a period of time was start again with a business um, with myself and an apprentice, and we built up an order, but we had goodwill from the previous residential back book, and I managed to sell that to a local competitor. So it was a small amount of money that I'd saved at that point. Um, I'd moved home with my parents and I, I realised that I wasn't going to continue in construction. And I then looked at some work that CIR were doing around introductory courses to arbitration and mediation. And I went along to some of those to really better understand what might happen, like where could you go, how could you learn more, you know, would this be a route for me to go down? And when I heard about mediation, I thought this was really interesting and the word that I had from other arbitrators when I spoke to them was, you know, actually, if even if you get all of the qualifications in this, you're never actually going to be appointed because there's a handful of people who all the major law firms work with, they've got a great reputation and they're not going to work with a 21-year-old person who's got a background in construction. So that kind of background and experience that I picked up, I realised that to build a business of scale, technology was more than likely going to be the way to go. So I, I spoke to a couple of friends, one who was working at Free Agent. So I had a chat and said, we went, met up one day in Edinburgh, went for lunch with a burrito and said, Joe, I think that there's a, a huge opportunity here to really change the way that people interact with and access legal services and information and understand their rights. But to do that, I'm not going to do it on my own. We're going to need to build a team. What do you think? And he thought it was a great idea. It sounded like there was an obvious need. He had understood the personal issues that I had had. Um, but we ended up getting some support from the Data Lab, which um, we were the first project from the Data Lab, which is um, linked to Edinburgh University. It's one of the innovation um, hubs that's around Scotland, focused on data. Um, Gillian, who runs that, it's like a tour de force, like really done a great job and really growing that and the work that they do. And Amicus pitched up at the time. I don't think we even called Amicus, I don't think we had a name. Um, I think we were at very early staging. Initially, we were called Dijou, like Digital Justice. So they were a bit more like Dijon and Mustard. And it never worked very well. So we, we've kind of quickly evolved, and I think that's the lesson that we have changed. So we won't always get things right, and we'll learn quickly, and we'll evolve and iterate. But we put forward this project to them, working with um, Brian, who used to be the head of the law school at Strathclyde. So we but I knew him through the mediation voluntary work I had done. And Brian Clark at that point was the head of law school at Strathclyde. We spoke to him and said, you know, how could we help people understand routes into uh, alternative dispute resolution and what information could we think about that would be useful? So we worked with Brian as well as the computing science department um, and we were looking at how you could use um, machine learning and the idea that you could teach a machine to understand key words or phrases, pick out key terms and tag bits of information 
So it would then, over a period of time, we would learn what things would be clustered against something else. So we spoke to the Computing Science Department, explained what we wanted to do, and the idea would be someone came along with a consumer rights issue. So we narrowed the scope initially. It was very, very narrow. The person would have a consumer rights issue. They would hit a page. They would fill in a form. It would ask them a series of questions about um, when did this happen? When did you buy the product? From where? How much did it cost? Do you have a receipt? That type of work. And from there, it would then pick out the right area of legislation. And now the UK legislation is digitised and handled by the National Archives. There's a guy there called John Sheridan, um, who, again, really knowledgeable guy, fantastic, um, really, really intelligent in the way that they've both built and thought about the infrastructure to do that. So it was down at the National Archives, and at that point I was doing a work stream with the Open Data Institute. So we were a startup at that point with them on their programme, and they introduced us to lots of people across government and the challenge was always going to be, how did we access the legislation? That was fine, we could get the legislation easily online, that's all accessible. But the challenge was then going to be clustering that against case law. So in this beta that we built out with the data lab, it was based on user-based input, match that against the right area of legislation. We would narrow that down to the right clause to say it looks like these are the clauses you need to know about. And then we wanted to push case law against it to say there has been 25 cases like yours that sound similar that have happened in the last two years. Here's what happened with them. Um, we could extrapolate out how long it took. Therefore, if there was a solicitor working on that, how much it may cost, did it settle? What was the judgment? And two or three firms had said, look, you've gone about uh, solving a problem here, but actually there's a larger one and it's around dealing with compliance. And if you were to go off and solve that, then you know, we would buy that and let's look at this other thing later. And that was really the genesis of how we would get to what we wanted to do and build the, out this means that people could access legal support and um, legal expertise and information, regardless of their background, regardless of their access to capital or their own network. How could we make it really simple to do that? Um, and the first step was then going back to... Um, how could we actually build a sustainable business that could scale? And that went to the issue around compliance. Um, so that's where we, we paused the work. So all still exists, it's there. We, we haven't taken it further because we didn't have the, the model, the business model right at that point to actually push it forward. So one, I think one of the really important things that has set us apart was around how we thought about growing the business and how we would work with law firms as opposed to against. So we're not trying to replace the solicitor, we're trying to help them do their work. And there was an overlap in like our purpose, like our mission overall is to make civil justice accessible. Now that's like a large, lofty, to some extent intangible mission. Like how can you even start to define, like people talk about the word justice in so many different ways. It means a lot of things to different people. But the whole point was to set ourselves up with um, a very obvious purpose and set ourselves based upon um, values and how we would behave both internally and externally and how we would engage with uh, professional bodies, whether that's a law society and, or we now work across different sectors. And yeah, definitely we need to make a profit, but that's never been the, the ultimate goal. Like that comes at a later stage. Right, of course. So, Callum, it's fair to say that Amicus was born out of the 
raw frustration and the experience that you initially had in trying to engage with the um, court system. Um, and when you thereafter developed um, the, the offering, you found yourself taken in a particular direction because there was a commercial need arising from law firms. And that led to the development of Amicus ID. So can you tell our listeners a bit more about that and what the company does, what it's achieved thus far and where it's going? Yeah. We think of Amicus ID really as a growth engine of Amicus. So the the ability to do anything and make any change, create an impact, um, is all predicated on the success of our first effort, so Amicus ID. And the basis of that is around really understanding the change in behaviour of the consumer and the expectations of the consumer versus the challenge that the, the lawyer, the accountant, the wealth manager has. So we think around compliance is typically on, I need to collect documents, I need to tick some boxes, I need to write a risk assessment. And the way that the anti-money laundering regulations have evolved, they've become far more onerous for the individual. The, the requirement to have a monitoring ongoing of your client relationship or understanding transactions, looking at source of funds and source of wealth, or whether it's simple due diligence or enhanced due diligence that's going to be applied. It's got to the point now where it's really complex to do that in a paper-based system. And as well as a risk, like the idea that you're asking your client to email you a copy of the passport or send you plain text over an email their bank details. The idea is that we know that people have been subject to fraud as a result of that. People have had um, issues within their firm where, you know, someone slipped through, there's something that's gone wrong, someone maybe hasn't had the oversight or a process in place to properly manage these types of risks. So understanding that the kind of backdrop and the ongoing change in regulations meant that building out a tool to help law firms, professional services really handle that in an end-to-end process seemed like the obvious thing to do. And uh, the ambition is to grow internationally. We've got a few clients in a few other countries. There's about 200 different um, law firms and now we're now cross-sector. We work with the Law Society of Scotland. When either when you first start off in the profession as a solicitor, you have to go through a disclosure check. We plug into Disclosure Scotland and we carry out the background checks that are required to take people on and uh, put them into either roles where they have access to sensitive information or they're going to be engaging with the public. So the the first product is based around really understanding and making it simple for people to engage with professional services and just removing that barrier. But at the moment, I think we've got a lot to point towards and we're, we're making progress, but we're not there yet. Yeah, well, wish you every success. <laughs> thanks very much. Thank you very much for your time. All right, thanks. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this Hey Legal podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. To hear the full CPD qualifying content, please visit heylegal.co.uk to subscribe and join our community. Or you could ask your law firm to contact us for a firm-wide subscription. Learn more, be more with Hey Legal.